you know, the sign this morning. I don't usually do this, but I just had to give you a personal message. Did you read it? There's no place like home. And uh, we went to New Day. We went to Downtown Mission Church. We went to Journey Church. We visited a lot of churches in Tennessee when we were there. And that saying is really true. Uh, there, there is no place like home. So it is great to be back. And we just look forward to worshiping together. You know, there's something about worshiping together with people that you are in relationship with. And you can go to, uh, you, know, you can go to a church where there's fabulous musicians and, and, and everything else is just top notch and it's not the same. And so I just want you to know that, that we are really glad to be back. Uh, there were three things that I was really thankful for coming back. Number one, I, I know that a lot of you prayed for us when we were there, and I had asked that you would pray that I would understand more deeply what it means for me to live a holy life. And so I just want to appreciate all of you praying, because I just had such a strong sense that God was answering that prayer. And I, I want to thank each one of you who prayed in that light. Secondly, I... I, w I want to thank you for not only allowing us to go, but to be happy that we could go. Now, how many of you get, how many of you, you have an employer who says every five years I'll, I'll give you two months to kind of rest and recuperate? How many of you have that on your job? Over and above your vacation. All right. <laughs> A teacher raised their hand. Well, we know what happens the other nine months of the year. Okay. <laughs> so I, I was just very thankful because, you know, it could be like, man, I wish I could get eight weeks off every five years. To, but, you know, we just genuinely felt like people were excited that we had this time. So I thank you for that. And I also thank all who were involved here, those who spoke in my absence, we listened to all of those online. It was so fun for us to do that. For Paulette and Heather and all the things they handled in the office. Matt, who's our church chairman. Aaron serves as a director of operations. And uh, especially Casey uh, and, and also Jen. Because it pulls a lot of energy out of this other guy that's involved in their family. So uh, I didn't have any worries when I left. And God was very faithful in using all of you. So just very thankful for that. This morning, what I want to do, and I'm not going to take a long time. It's going to be fairly brief this morning because we've we got a lot going on. But I want to reflect on just a piece from my sabbatical. And I, I hope over the coming weeks that some of the different things that went on will kind of eke out in, in my sharing here. But next week, we will jump back into our look at the pursuit of holiness, and we're going to talk about the highway of holiness for a few weeks, and we're going to look at what that looks like in our culture, uh, and so we're going to look at what it looks like in the ditches, and what it looks like when we get off those highways, because our culture has exited the highway of holiness. And so we're going to look at that, because I'm not going to assume that we all even have a clear picture of where that highway is. And so we're going to be jumping into that next week. This morning, I want to share, in the next about 15 minutes, I'm going to take, and I just want to share kind of the big picture of, 
of what God, the predominant thing that, that God showed me and how he worked in my life on this sabbatical. I thought about why I wanted to be, why I wanted to be more holy because I think motivations are always very important. And, you know, I'm not out to impress people. I, I don't think it's that. I, I'm, I, I'm not doing it because I feel like I have to perform for God. Uh, I'm not doing it because I feel like I need to make up for something. I was thinking about the reason why, and the reason why I desire holiness is that I want to experience life the way God designed it. Because when I look around me, I see God's design is pretty amazing. I mean, look at the trees and nature and the way things work, and it's just... It just kind of blows your mind sometimes the way God designs things. And I'm going, you know, I'd really like that in my life. I'd like that in all areas of my life. I, I want to be holy because God has this set-apart place that is really a good place. And I know as I do that that my life will then glorify God. And so I have this passion and, and I'm, I'm thankful for this time when I could really reflect on that. I spent the first two weeks of, of my sabbatical, actually, actually this is the first two weeks I was on vacation. I spent it remodeling my kitchen and I, I learned a very important lesson and that is that I'm very glad I do not remodel kitchens for a living. <laughs> that, that was a tough week. And so I was glad to be done with that and actually starting my sabbatical. And I took the first week and visited some people I hadn't visited for a while and then I my plan was the next week to spend a week up in the Boundary Waters on the Granite River, just solo, just myself, all alone, in the wilderness, nothing. So I called up there on Wednesday. I was going up on Saturday. And she said, well, if you come, you might want to bring your snowmobile and your ice auger, she said. Because she said, the lakes are still frozen here. This is now, this is now the 10th of May. And so I ended up showing up at the Nine Mile Tavern at Flambeau, uh, on the Flambeau River, about two and a half hours north of here, and it was on the Flambeau River that I was able to spend that time. It was there I met Mark, who's the son of the old gentleman that owns Nine Mile Tavern. Any of you been to Nine Mile Tavern? <laughs> right here, okay. You laughed, you thought there'd be no one. John's been there. I won't ask you what you were doing there, but. <clears throat> um, <laughs> But it, it is a, they outfit there, they have canoes, and so the, the, the son, who's just retired, he said, you know what, I'll, I'll drive you down to the drop-off point, you follow me in your car, and I'll take you back, so when you get down there, the car will be there, and your wife doesn't have to drive all the way up and, and get you. So I had, I had 45 minutes with Mark in the car, and, uh, you know, being the challenge, how did that candle, oh, it's still going, okay. <clears throat> Being the challenge of the candle, I, I asked Mark early on, I said, so Mark, what, tell me, do you have any, I'm a pastor, I, I'm really interested in, in what people, in what people's spiritual beliefs are, so what are your spiritual beliefs? He said, as he talked to me, he said, well, I've never been baptized. That was the first thing he said to me. He said, but there's some pastors that come up here every year to fish smallies in the summer, and you know what, they told me I didn't need to be baptized to make it to heaven. 
And even that guy on the cross, you know, that thief on the cross, Jesus said he never got baptized. And Jesus said, today I tell you, be in paradise with me. And so I said, I figure that, that I need to, uh, I just need to praise God and do my best. So I kind of discerned at that point that this was a, a God-fearing man who probably didn't really fully understand the gospel. And so I asked him if he had ever heard of the gospel. And he didn't know if he had or not, so I, I shared it with him. The, the good news that our best is not enough. Our best will never be enough. But that Jesus' best was good enough and that God is willing to impart the righteousness of Christ to us if by faith we will trust in him. And, and that was like really amazing to him. And I, I just sense kind of an energy in him. And you know what? The gospel should energize us if we're not resisting it because it is probably the best news you could ever hear that it's not up to you, that it's now an invitation to trust in what Jesus did. And I asked him if he'd ever read through the Bible. And he said, and, and this is what really got to me. He said, no, but it's not that I wouldn't like to. I just don't understand it. And you know what went through my mind? I thought, is there a believer in the Ladysmith area that will frequent the Nine Mile Tavern and rub shoulders with Mark and start a study with him? Because this is a guy who I think would love to study the Bible. A God-fearing man who's, who's not opposed to God, but just doesn't understand. And how many Marks are there in our community? A lot of them. And so we left. I, I invited him to read in the Gospel of John. Interestingly, when I got back on the trip, I got a phone call. It was from Mark. And he just wanted to know how my trip went. And so I'm going to follow up with him this next week and, and just see how he's doing. But anyway, I launched off. And I, I was, went down to the river. They'd had eight inches of rain that week. And the river was up six feet, and it was moving. And I'm, I'm launching my canoe, and the old guy comes down and says, you know, we won't rent canoes to people now. And I said, why is that? He said, the river is too dangerous. I said, well, thank you for telling me, <coughs> you know. So I, I had a bit of fear in, because uh, this has a number of class one, two, and three class rapids. And so I had this fear in me. It's a very, it's full of rocks, and you know, I didn't see a rock until I got to the, the very end of my trip. But I didn't paddle, I just steered, because it was moving down that river, and I had a lot of time to just think and be quiet. And it was during that time that I was looking for a revelation from God, and I felt like he said, you don't need any revelations from me, you just need to do what I've already told you. You need to do what you put up on the wall every Sunday and what's on the back of every bulletin. That Bethany exists to honor God by bringing people into relationship with Christ and one another. Holiness is about Christ and each other. That's what it's about. And so I realized that I was thinking about about this and John 10. And there's just a couple passages I want you to look at with me. John 10, 11 to 16. Here's what it says. You'll see it up on the wall. <clears throat> John 10, 11 to 16. It says, I'm a good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have sheep that are not of this sheep pen, but I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus here is a good shepherd, and what does he do? He loves his sheep. That's what he does. And he seeks those who are not yet in the pen, but whom God is seeking to reach to come into the pen. And so it's like Jesus was saying, look, this is the model. You're, you're a pastor. You're, you're a shepherd. What am I calling you to do? I'm calling you to sacrifice your life to love your sheep. And I kind of said, well, how am I going to do that? And John 15, beginning with verse 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so your, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And my commandment is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. And so Jesus here is saying that if you will abide in me, if you will abide in my love, then your life will bear much fruit and you will obey my commands, which is to love one another. So here is what God showed me about holiness on our sabbatical. And this is it condensed down. This is kind of the big, the big picture view. The level of holiness in your life and mine is not measured by how much time we spend in prayer, although that's very important. It's not measured by how well we know the scriptures, although that's very important. It's not measured by how faithful we, we are to attend church that's very important. It's not measured by the vices and the habits that we, bad habits that we give up in our lives, although that can be important. The measure of holiness is how well do you know Jesus and how well do you love others. And that is so simple and so basic. And yet often we seem to make it so complicated. Lord is saying, you know what? If you want to live a holier life, what that means is you start with your wife. That's where you start. This relationship, 
between husband and wife, metaphor of a relationship between Christ and the church. That's what marriage is, metaphor of the relationship between Christ and the church. And I remember when, we, when I left on my trip, we were, we were going to spend a week in Chicago, and I told Vicki, I said, I'd, I'd like to spend that week working on our marriage. And when I, when I left, the last thing I heard when I went on the canoe trip was Vicki tell me that she wasn't sure she wanted to go to Chicago with me. And uh, I'll tell you more about that later. But... <laughs> She did go to Chicago with me, and it was really a very, very important time uh, in our lives. But that holiness, pursuit of holiness, it, don't, don't start any farther away than that person next to you, and then your children, and then your church, and then people outside these walls. The measure of holiness is the measure of how well you love in those relationships. This morning, <clears throat> I want to just, we're going to go into communion in just a little bit, <clears throat> but I want to just thank you for, for praying for me. And I've, I've just kind of given you a little bit here, but you know the primary point is is that God's word is always consistent. And a few weeks ago, Aaron shared a message on the great commandment. Remember that? Jesus said it's all summed up in this: that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you love your neighbors yourself. And so it was on the sabbatical as I prayed that God said, "You know what? It's about loving me. It's about." Abiding in my love, it's about knowing me in a deeper way, and as you do that, you will love people in your life better. And I realize that might sound kind of simple, but simple is powerful. And, and, and that was the message that God spoke to me. And there are many ways that that, I'll, I'll share down the road, that that works its way out into my life. But, that is the point that, that God gave to me. I look forward to, to sharing more about that in, in the coming weeks. This morning we're going to move into a, a time of communion here. And I just, want, I just want to remind you of what Jesus Christ did for you. That when you were unholy and sinful, and proud, and, and, and wounded, and broken, and wandering, and selfish, and rebellious as the good shepherd, he loved you. He, he laid down his life for you. He's not like the hired guy who goes on to find something else or somebody else. Jesus Christ gave his life while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. And he did that so that he could transform, then transform your life into his very likeness so that now you could love unholy and sinful and wounded and broken and proud and rebellious and selfish people. 
you can't give that until you receive that. And so every time we have a communion service, we're reminded that, that we have to, that Jesus is inviting us to come with open hands and to receive uh, what he has done and what he wants to do in our lives. And so today, uh, I'm, I'm going to invite you in this time A desire to live a holy life is wonderful, but it will not happen without abiding in the love of Christ. And this is the table that represents that love to you today, what Jesus Christ did for you. And so I'm going to pray, and and then we're going to worship and move into our communion time. Father, We have sensed you leading us as a congregation to look at what it means to live holy lives during this year, 2014. I thank you for the prayers that went up for me over this sabbatical. I thank you for the things that you're working in my life. Father, many of these things are paths that I have yet to walk ruts that I have yet to set, new ruts, new ways of thinking, new ways of acting, new ways of believing. Lord, I, I would pray for us as a body that you would continue in this journey. I thank you for this time that you gave me. And uh, I pray that together we would just discern in these coming days what that means. Lord, this morning we're reminded that whatever it means, It starts with a source, and and that source is you. That source is the love that's demonstrated in this table that you are wanting to communicate with us as your creation, as your people that you deeply loved, as sinful and unholy as we might be. And so, Lord, just speak to us today through this table. We come now just, just to worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me.